So the big question is this. How do veterinarians like you, who live demanding lives, who never seem to have enough time, able to achieve balance and take control of your finances with confidence? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. We are Florida Veterinary Advisors, and this is the Smarter Vet Podcast. Hey, Smarter Vets. Welcome back to the Smarter Vet Financial Podcast. This is your co-host, Tom Seco. I'm also co-founder of Florida Veterinary Advisors. We are a national planning firm based out of Tampa, Florida that works with veterinarians, veterinary practice owners, and veterinary teams. And our mission is to provide a different way of thinking to make financial decisions easy so you can spend time doing other things. And I'll let you fill in the blank around that. I have a really cool guest on the show today with me. Um, I'm excited to bring him on. I've been working a little bit with him and his co-counterpartner uh, who's been on the show previously. And uh, they're very wonderful people. They got a lot of great things they're doing within the vet community. And I'm, I'm really excited to just have share his story with all of the smarter vets that are here with us today. Uh, and before I jump into this as well, if you this is your first time listening to our podcast, we've got hunt over 100 plus shows now that are available, everything from personal, business finances, other interviews, definitely make sure to go check them out. And if our website, if you're looking for more like assessments and videos and courses, go check out our website as well. Uh, a lot of that content can easily be able to access by just visiting the page and watching it. Uh, lots of really great information you can find on there. Without any further ado around this, uh, the person that I have coming on the show today, uh, I, I can't remember how long ago that we met. It's been been some time now. I know COVID made a little interesting along the way where we seem to have lost touch with you. I think most people lost touch with each other as well. Uh, he is the a 2013 graduate of NC State, uh, immediate past president of the North Carolina Association of Minority Veterinarians, and he's also the co-founder of Get Motivated, which is like one of the coolest things ever. I think the, the play on words is great. Uh, but I, I'm really glad to have you on the show with me today here, Dr. Quincy Holly. It's awesome to have you here. I, I really appreciate it, Tom. It's a pleasure to be here with the Smarter Vet community. And it's so cool to hear someone else say that Get Motivated is like the coolest thing ever because that's how I feel, <laughs> right? Yeah. Such an exciting yeah. thing and project. And hopefully we'll get into that a little bit here in the podcast. But yeah. Thanks for having I love, me. Man. I love it when people say things around like our brand and things that seems like the shivers, you know, it's like it gives you a little shiver down your spine. You're like, Ooh, that feels good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, exactly, man. For those who haven't heard about you, uh, even get, mo get motivated. Just, I would really be curious if you can share some things, tell us a little bit more about like where you where how you started when it came to becoming a veterinarian and where you are now, just to give people a little insight into your world. Okay. I, exactly, man. So, I've been an animal lover since I was like a little kid and I won't get into all the details, but when I was first born, I was actually born into a family with like 20 beagles. So my dad and brother, they were big rabbit hunters and we lived out in the country on about six acres in a small rural town, Oxford, North Carolina. And I would see deer, rabbits, all types of animals just come through my yard. And of course, the natural thing to do is to try to like doctor those and help those and want to play with those and touch them and everything else. And, and so that's kind of like where my initial uh, love for animals came in. And then, of course, we'd have pets that would get sick. And obviously, I would take them to the vet. And I was like, that's such a cool thing uh, to do. And so when I got to undergrad... Um, I was an animal science major at North Carolina A&T State University, 
And um, I just didn't really have plans to be a veterinarian necessarily, but the chairman of animal sciences there, he looked at my, my uh, GPA and my uh, resume of the experiences that I've had. And he was like, have you ever thought about going to veterinary school? And I was like, you know, I, I've, I've thought about being in the animal health field, but um, with, with your recommendation, I'm certainly interested in it. And that kind of kicked off the entire journey. I got my first job volunteering as like a veterinary assistant and kennel cleaner uh, at, at a small animal hospital. Then I did some stuff with the USDA and then Elanco Animal Health in their business, um, dairy and marketing, the, the dairy sales and marketing department. And uh, from there, I applied to veterinary school where I got accepted in the NC State's College of Veterinary Medicine. Uh, graduated from there in 2013. And even though I was a, actually a food animal uh, 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 focused student in veterinary school, so I spent most of my time in like the teaching animal unit, working with goats, sheep, da dairy cattle, beef cattle, so a little bit of swine, a little bit of poultry, um, and, a, and a lot of USDA too. But in my fourth year, Tom, I did this big dairy externship up in Michigan, up in Michigan, and it kept waking me up in the middle of the night <laughs> to do C-sections on cows in the freezing cold. And I was like, there's no way <laughs> I'm going to be doing this when I graduate. And so oh, I graduated from veterinary school, went straight into small animal uh, practice and uh, here in Fayetteville, or in, in Fayetteville, North Carolina. That's awesome. Yeah. How, how did you get involved in the North Carolina State uh, veterinary uh, minority veterinary association like well, how did that come about yeah so um since i've been in undergrad around my sophomore year I, i've had some mentors who would try to help us get the veterinary experiences experience hours that we needed to get into veterinary school and one of those guys was dr alan kennedy and he is the immediate past um, director of multicultural affairs which is kind of like the dei department at nc state's college of veterinary medicine and he was the president before I was. And so he's been mentoring me since I was an undergrad and, you know, veterinary school you know, and things like that. And so it was, I think I was nominated um, in 2016, 2017, and then I became the president of that. But they, they've been supporting me since I was an undergrad. And when in veterinary school, we actually have some endowed scholarship funds. And I was one of the recipients of one of those. So really, really cool That's organization. Excellent. Yeah, yeah, for sure, man. I will say running or being a part of an organization, there's a lot involved because I've been involved in uh, vet partners over time because it's an organization that supports the veterinary community with a bunch of different professionals. And I stepped up to be the, the chair of the communications committee for almost two years. Oh, wow. And just the, the amount of time and the energy and stuff that had to go into it, even though it's like you have meetings here and there, but there's always that footwork yes. in between that has to be done. Time management like becomes even more critical exactly. <laughs> in those, those areas. Yeah. And we would have like uh, CE um, seminars or CE meetings twice a year, one in the fall and one in the spring and just getting those things set up. And then we had a gala, I think in 2021, just a, a lot of different things, right? So <laughs> that's excellent. With regards to finances, because this is what our entire show is about, and I love bringing the more of the the personal element of other people's stories here. And I, I know from conversations I have with people that we work with throughout time that there are certain things that they've had experiences with or decisions they've been trying to make. And 
there are certain things that they've done along their life where, you know, sometimes people look at them as being failures. And then other times people look at them like, well, this is an opportunity to help me grow, which of course you can look at from the positive or negative. It's always better looking from the positive side of things. But I'm really curious from your journey, from where you started, of course, you said you weren't originally going to become a veterinarian. And there's certain things that you've had to make decisions around over time. What is an opportunity or something that you've had in your life where you you made the decision and it didn't really turn out the way that you thought it would be? Yeah. Um, you know, I, probably going into entrepreneurship um, from having like a solid role and, and a solid salary of being a veterinarian, you know, we don't make the, the, the most out of all the different medical professions and things like that. But I, I had a very uh, solid salary. And when, when I first graduated from veterinary school, that was in 2013. And then I did uh, small, small animal general practice for for five years. And so things were very, very comfortable, if you will, as it relates to the financial picture. Right. You go to work four days, one week, five days, the next. And then you've got that. The money's going to come in and you can um, uh, allocate that to whatever you want to. Right. And but when I made the decision to stop practicing, you know, I had a lot of money saved up. And this is probably one of the most difficult decisions that I've made um, where I was basically going from having that really comfortable salary. And I kind of did a little slow. So I went from uh, being full time and then to I dropped it down to. Uh, I think part time for for a while there, and then uh, I was just working like a few days a month uh, towards the end. But just going from having something dependable to having something completely undependable because you're starting the company, really don't even know what that's going to look like. <laughs> you're kind of yeah. uh, you don't have a really great business plan. I didn't go to business school; <laughs> went to veterinary school. And so it was a lot of like self-learning and things of that nature. But I think just that decision to say, hey, you know what? This is what I want to do moving forward. And even though it might be challenging or a little bit difficult, a lot uncomfortable, um, and I'm probably going to make a lot of mistakes and failures along the way, I'm going to do it anyway because I'm so passionate about that thing. you know. And so I, I would say that's probably one of the most difficult decisions I've ever had to make. And then it, and Tom, it actually got a little bit more complex than that because um go on the, i'm curious to know the owner that i used to work for uh, of my very first hospital uh reached out to me and well I, I guess the 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 corporation i was with they when they found out i wanted to drop down and to leave leave the company they offered me a, a kind of the house right <laughs> so more money bigger position you know they're throwing things at you, right? That looks very appetizing, especially when you're going to the world of the unknown. And then the the owner that I used to work with, um, my first hospital, you know, gave me the offer to be a chief of staff, paying a very comfortable salary that would have been a very comfortable salary that would have been more or than I made in terms of like my salary uh, for my my entire veterinary career. And so it's now it's like, wow, that's this really good offer and that was and, th- and that was actually a little bit after i had already made my decision to be an entrepreneur now it's kind of in those first like burning money phases of, of having my own business without revenue <laughs> without sales <Yeah. laughs> and so that <laughs> offer came and it's kind of like 
that looks really, really good. <laughs> and yeah, I, I very enticing. Right? Very enticing. I actually called my dad and I was like, what do you think, man? You're like, my, my heart is in one place, but the logic is <laughs> very obviously in a different place. But uh, I decided to uh, stay the course and here we are and we're doing better than we've ever done before. So Awesome. Did you come up from an entrepreneurial background? A little bit, a little bit. So my, my dad... Um, my dad, he was an insurance sales agent and he had its own like insurance business. Right. And uh, I would see him have somewhat flexible hours. Um, I would see him with his own space, his own office downtown in, in Oxford and downtown Oxford looks like, I don't know, like a little apartment complex. Right? It's not very big, but but never, nevertheless, you know, he had his own space there. Uh, he could go hunting because, of course, he's a hunter. We were tennis players. We could, he would take off and do other things like that. And so actually my brother, my sister and I were all um, entrepreneurs at this point in time. My sister, she's got her own Spanish um, immersion and daycare that she has. Very successful there. My brother has his own car audio business where he um, works with cars and things like that. And so um, I think my my dad, just seeing him um, do his thing was an inspiration for me for sure. But I've found interesting about that too, because some people that have started their own business haven't had that background of having at least some type of influence growing up. And then some people have, I don't know, personally myself, my dad's always been person, like I'd call him more of the jack of all trades. Okay, There'd right. always be something he's doing and he's <laughs> right. detailing cars or <laughs> selling cell phones. Or, and I know some of those qualities and things have instilled into me, which helped propel me but then it's like being able to take, you know, even that bug or that uh, desire to go do it and then taking that chance and jumping at it. Right. That is, I will say, even I remember when I did that myself right out of school, because it was, hey, I have a chance of taking a salary or I can go and try to, you know, be able to figure it out on my own. Right. Right. <laughs> and it's incredible. Like at that time, that is a very difficult decision to make. Yes, yes, but so worth it, man. And we may we, it, good. We may get into it, but um, just stretching your brain, stretching your creativity, your imagination, uh, developing the discipline. I mean, you see that bookshelf behind me, man. It's got lots and lots and lots of books. A lot of those are on sales, marketing, business. Um, you name it. The, obviously, burnout and well-being books back there too. Uh, but yeah, it's, a, it's, it's, it's been amazing, dude. I wouldn't change a thing about <laughs> making that really tough decision and even the tough, um, you know, financial um, ups and downs that we've been through. Uh, my wife, she's also an entrepreneur. She started her own mobile practice, left a six-figure chief of staff position. So we've b both kind of been there, uh, both struggled through it. But um, I, I think we're both very, very happy with our, our choices. That's awesome. I'm, I'm glad to hear that too. And is there a certain part in your career too, where there's been a decision that I, I would say that's, I know the entrepreneurial side of things has been very rewarding for you. Uh, but when it comes to just another part of your life where, hey, I made this decision. At first I was questioning it of whether or not it was also a good move to make. Maybe it was something you bought or an investment you did or some kind of education or whatever it could be. 
and then you made it. And then after the fact, like at first you were getting like the butterflies or it's making you feel like, I don't know, this sounds good, but I'm not sure. And then you did it and it turned out to be really good. Yeah. So I don't know if this is it, not necessarily financially here. Um, but when I first wanted to be a speaker, um, I wanted to share my story. Because uh, a part of my story is that I got burnt out, right? <laughs> I got burnt out in those first three years of graduating from veterinary school, seeing 25 to 35 cases a day as a new grad. And I didn't have the health, healthy coping mechanisms. And so I, I turned to unhealthy things like alcohol and smoking and food, gained a lot of weight and um, was drinking and driving on the way home. And just re- re- I, was, I was really off track uh, for, for a few years there. Um, but obviously, I was able to overcome all of that through discovering personal development. And it all ties back into that decision. But um, after I made my transformation and I was like, this stuff is great. I've turned my life around. I'm still a practicing veterinarian and I have a life of well-being that's somewhat free of burnout, right? And I want to share these tools and strategies that I've learned with the veterinary community. And I was the president of the North Carolina Association of Minority Veterinarians. And this was back in 2017, probably. And I had never actually shared that story with anyone else before about my struggle and things of that nature. And um, we had our spring meeting coming up and we didn't have a speaker yet. And I motivational speakers have been a part of my transformation. And so I really was passionate about sharing it. But I was scared, man. (laughs) I was was scared about what other people would think about my story. in the North Carolina Association of Minority Veterinarians audience or the attendees, we're going to be my mentors. We're going to be pre-veterinary students and veterinary students that were looking up to me and even some of my colleagues that I actually went to school with. Right. Um, along with my wife. And so I asked my wife, I was like, do you think I should uh, share this story? And she was like, look, Quincy, if it's in your heart to do that, then you should share that story. And so, uh, the time came for me to give that presentation and I was mortified, <laughs> like scared is an understatement for, for sure. But I got up there, I shared my story and pe- people were kind of nodding their heads and things like that. You know, it's like one of my first talks ever, I've given over like 200 at this point, but it's like one of the first two or three. And at the end of it, uh, this 80 year old veterinarian, he comes down. Right. And I'm like, oh, my God, like he's going to tell me, like, dude, stop sharing this story. Never, never do that again. It's an embarrassment to the profession, to minority veterinarians everywhere. Like, Just this, this, too much detail, all these things. And he came up to me and he said, Dr. Hawley, I wish I heard that story 50 years ago. Wow. And he went on to pass like a month later, dude. And so uh, he was in, I think, Tuskegee's second class um, ever, Hmm. second veterinary class. And there were lots of people that came up and who became like uh, my mentees and things like that afterwards. But it really just gave me the confidence and the drive to say, you know what, if you've got something positive to share that's going to help other people, especially my veterinary colleagues, then you should go ahead and, and be courageous enough to do that. And um, I think that that was one of the biggest decisions that I've ever had to make. It's kind of like, am I going to go put myself out there or um, to hopefully make an impact on someone, um, but to potentially risk 
my reputation and things of that nature too. So, yeah. That's, that's a great story. And I'm glad to hear that you, you took the leap and it's really been helping you grow as a person and continue to be better every day. And for those people that I'm really curious if you have a point of advice that for the listeners that we have on here at the moment, just even something really quick of like, Hey, if you want to explore entrepreneurship or you want to have your own business or do your own thing, or let's say they're going to go relief, which anything that's like creating any uncertainty, is there any word of advice or something that you'd give people just, even if it's something simple that they could do that could help motivate them or give them a little bit of courage, a little bit of courage along the way. Right. Right. It's it's probably going to be hard, (laughs) but that's not the final word. The final word is that you have, especially if you're a veterinarian, right? A PLC. And that is your second degree that you got from veterinary school. And the first one's obviously your DVM or your VMD. PLC stands for your professional learner's certification, right? That comes free and standard to going through a professional program like veterinary school where, where you learn so much information. You, you spend so much time, energy, and even money learning to become a veterinarian that if you extrapolate that process and apply that to you being an entrepreneur um, or being a business owner and saying, hey, you know what? I'm, I'm going to basically put myself through entrepreneurship school, right? You can do that with books. Um, there are so many great business books out there. Um, and I think that your ability to learn is going to be one of your greatest assets for really going through somewhat that struggle, the beautiful struggle of being an entrepreneur. Hmm. Love it. Yeah, it is hard. And I think that's really great just to keep in like it for all of you who are listening right now. I hope at least it's kind of hitting a nerve if you are on that fence or not, or if you are jumping into the world of entrepreneurship, even being a relief veterinarian, I will say is being an entrepreneur. Yes. Um, a little uncertainty that's out there. Absolutely. Uh, but I, I think everything you've been sharing has been incredibly insightful. I appreciate you being very raw and open about these things with us. And you know, on a completely opposite note of things, I always like to ask a silly question towards the end of these shows. Okay. Just to <laughs> get, get your thoughts around. And let's say that you were stranded on an island in the middle of nowhere. Mm. But you had a choice of one food item that you can eat over and over. And there's an unlimited oh. amount of it. Oh, my gosh, man. Oh my gosh. Uh, wow. Wow. Over and over again. Um, I, it's going to have to, I, I shouldn't say this fried chicken, man. Like I am a fried food junkie and fried chicken is like one of my favorite things to consume. It's not good for me and I don't eat it all the time. And I actually have an air fryer now. So I would take an air fryer and eat air fried chicken like the entire time over and over and over again. Ate some today, just before this podcast. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Fried chicken. I've been, I still haven't eaten much of it, but I, yeah. I will say the one that I'm usually between a Popeyes or KFC, or usually I like the extra crispy <laughs> KFC. But I know some people they like their Bojangles and some other yeah. ones that are out there. So <laughs> absolutely, air, air fried chicken is the way to go, though. It's oh yeah, yeah, that's it, a healthy version. Yeah, it's it's crispy, <laughs> gives you the same type of feel and everything else. What would be yours, man? What would be your food on the island? Pizza. Pizza? Okay. Pizza. Yeah, I would, and the specific pizza, I think I would do some 
Illuminati's deep dish pizza from Chicago. <laughs> okay, nice, man. <laughs> Literally, it's just the, the buttery crust, the sauce, yeah. like, the cheese. I'm, I'm a big pizza junkie. It's a, you know, it's the whole food pyramid, you know? You got, you got your vegetables, you got your, your grains, you got your your fats and your cheeses and all that stuff, man. It's all good. That's right. So, it's, all, it's all there, man. It's all there. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I've had a lot of fun talking with you today. I appreciate you making the time to, to be here for me and for all the listeners on the show. It's been great, Tom. I appreciate it. And uh, best of luck to all the smarter vets out there. Absolutely. Hey, well, Smarter Bets, I, I hope that you found this to be somewhat insightful. You took away some good nuggets from our show. And if you found this show to be insightful today and helpful, I would love if you could take it and share with one of your closest friends or colleagues, or even share with three of your colleagues and introduce them to the same great content or pick another show that you found to be intriguing. And if you do have a moment, I'd love for you to also take a moment to rate our podcast. Go to our Facebook page if you could, maybe show us some love. I, we'd love to hear from you. Again, this is Tom Seco wishing you a lifetime of financial success. Don't forget to visit our website and sign up for our newsletter. By subscribing, you'll be the first to know about upcoming race-approved CE webinars, podcast releases, short presentations, and articles that we publish. Make sure to like us on Facebook, follow us on LinkedIn, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. C.J. Burnett and Tom Seco are registered representatives and financial advisors of Park Avenue Securities, LLC, and financial representatives of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, New York, New York. C.J. Burnett's and Tom Seco's California licenses are 0K79676 and 0K80141, respectively. Security products and advisory services are offered through Park Avenue Securities, LLC, a registered broker-dealer, investment advisor, member of FINRA and the SIPC, and a wholly-owned subsidiary of Guardian. Florida Veneer Advisors is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Park Avenue Securities or Guardian. This podcast is for information purpose only. Only guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by Park Avenue Securities, Guardian, or Florida Veterinary Advisors, and opinions stated are their own. This material is intended for general use. By providing the content, Park Avenue Securities LLC and your financial representative are not undertaking to provide investment advice or make a recommendation for a specific individual or situation or to otherwise act in a fiduciary capacity. All investments contain risk and may lose value. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. The individuals associated with Florida Veterinary Advisors do not maintain specialized licenses or qualifications for the financial services provided to veterinary professionals. Florida Veterinary Advisors is not registered in any state or with the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission as a registered investment advisor. 2023-162-447 expires October 2024.